0: friends of course i go by the name of the kid famous you and now tuned into the tim and friends show hello education entertainment coast to coast ball it up call it entertainment let's get this started uncle tim let's start this show with five four three two one let's go
1: well, the game day starts right here on tim and friends go ahead please settle in lay the clicker down we got you Get you ready for the second of four from the little trop of horrors that is Tampa Bay. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, that thing has almost, almost been as disgusting as Brett Favre stealing millions of dollars from funds meant to be earmarked for the poorest families in the poorest state of America. Almost. It's been almost that bad, Mm -hmm. but not quite. (laughs) We'll explain that. We'll also explain what last night's loss meant in First Things First and get you set for tonight. With Shai Davidi just after 6 p.m. Eastern with Blue Jays Central, immediately following us right here on Sports Den. Week number three in the National Football League is underway. Browns surviving the Steelers, and uh, that'll also be a part of our First Things First conversation. If If we have enough time, we'll also have a conversation with Nate Burleson coming up in a flash to discuss not only the Steelers and the Browns but the rest of the week and Justin Dunk will stop by in the final half hour too sweet to be sour to talk football of the Canadian variety and speaking of Canadian Jesse, the Canadian men's soccer team playing for the first time since June earlier today the Canadian women's basketball team continuing their hearts hot start at the World Cup and uh I think we're set I think I think we got you rolling into the weekend like, well, like the wedding party I want to be a part of. Mm.
2: Oh. Hey.
3: Okay. Yeah.
1: Like. This looks like a ton of fun. It, these look like my dudes right here.
3: Oh, like how long do you have to operate to practice this? Now this is choreographed, obviously. Oh no, it's just a bunch of dudes two-stepping.
1: Very careful with that. I think believe that was two short lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need to be a little bit careful with those lyrics, but we will roll your weekend to you just like that. And we'll roll first things first, just the same. So do your thing, Peter Ng.
4: First
3: things Smooth. So, smooth start to the show. Those dudes were all Ooh, smooth, yeah. yeah. I like it. Uh Jays. No. Nothing smooth about yeah, that. Yeah, it wasn't that smooth last night. No, nice. not at all. Jose Barrios. Rob, uh, actually. Uh, the Blue Jays continuing their out series tonight. Yeah, yeah. yeah, they did. They would love to just two-step right out of Tampa altogether. Uh, they dropped the opener 10-5 last night. Jose Barrios gave up six runs in just two innings as the Jays saw their lead over Tampa in the wild card race to just one game, how bad was that loss to me?
1: Yeah, that was was bad in a couple different ways. I mean, Murillo's poop in the bed means that a bullpen game now basically follows a bullpen game for the Jays as if they needed any help losing games. It's Mitch White who has been uh, elevated back to the big leagues just in time to start tonight, start tonight. They hope that they can get four out of him. Mm -hmm. Like, hope they can get four out of him tonight. Um, and now the Jays got a sweep to get the tie break. And I think this is, like, let's face it. The Jays don't want to be on the road for this wild I know, and correct me if I'm wrong here, you said anyone but the Rays yesterday? I did say that, yeah. I think it's nowhere but home. Like, I think that the Jays want to be, a, not only to the Jays' worst records in franchise history. We had the board yesterday. I know I should have asked for it before we started the show. Producer Thomas Dobby and, oh, look at this, director Matt Taylor immediately. This is the Toronto Blue Jays' worst records by ballpark franchise history. The top one is Houston. I think you know where the second one is. T-Mobile Park, they could also end up there. Progressive Field, they could end up there. Like, Tropicana Field is the fifth worst park in Jay's franchise history. And you and I call it the little trop of horrors. Mm-hmm. And there's four worse than that. They could end up at any one of those five in this postseason. Like, just look at the Rays. They are 50-28 and 28 at home, just 33-39 and 39 on the road. And... To be fair here, once the Jays get done with the Rays, do you know where the remaining games all are? The road. On the road. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it doesn't come to that, but the Jays got to get going here in this series right now so that they don't have to mess with any of this. I I honestly think that the Jays' home and away record and the teams that they would face home or away in the wild card round is why John Schneider said what he said about Manoa yesterday.
3: Which is that he would pitch in game 162 if it meant home field advantage was on the line. Think about that for a second. Mm -hmm. So you essentially take him out of the wild card series altogether. You would think. You
1: would take your
3: ace out of the wild card series if it meant
1: home field in that wild card series. Like... Debate that if you will, and I know that there are plenty of folks debating it on Twitter. It to me just speaks to the value of being at home for mm-hmm. those three games, and for those who forget, now the wild card round, three games, all at the hosting yeah, was, yeah. facility for whoever ends up in one or two spots. I'm really know happy, one of yeah. them will be Cleveland.
3: I'm really happy probably. you brought this conversation up because we did actually ask uh, the friends of the show mm-hmm. online. If the Blue Jays end up in the wild card round, which it looks like they're going to, who would you prefer to play? And the majority said guard, the Guardians. And, on the road. And that would be on the road. <laughs> yes. So uh, I guess uh, disagreeing with you in that respect, but I, I mean, maybe people clicked it not knowing that they would be facing the Guardians on the road. Because that's not implied in the question necessarily. But it's that not implied, is what but I happen. think a lot
1: of our fans yeah. would know that and just yeah. feel like the Guardians are the worst team
3: of those three. Maybe recency bias from last night and, uh, I don't know, forever with the Rays as well. Yeah. I, I'm surprised also by the it doesn't matter. How many votes we got there?
5: Oh uh, well,
1: Yeah, almost 2,000. Almost 2,000 votes? Yeah. Huh. That's, I think that shocks me and
3: maybe John Schneider. Yeah, <laughs> If he's probably. willing to pitch
1: Alec Manoa... In a game to
3: avoid going on the road. Do you think that it have Okay, if that happens, if Manoa ends up starting game 162 because home field advantage is on the line, do you really think that they would go into the wild card and not even maybe try to get him in game three on short rest? He's too valuable to this team, especially right now when you consider what happened last night with Burrios. Yeah,
1: but, but that's basically the same. I mean, you're taking him out of a start and you're handing it to... Burrios.
3: Mm. Yeah. Who
1: else? Yeah. Stripling. You've got Cosman stri- one. Stripling, Stripling and Barrios. Barrios.
3: Like, that, is that conversation done? I know the conversation we had uh, from time to time already. Stripling, Burrios, game three. In a situation like that, is that conversation now put to bed because of what happened with Barrios last night? The problem is you don't have long relief either. Yeah, So clearly. whoever
1: goes in that third game will probably have the other guy standing right behind him. Right. If in case, like, if Stripling goes, Barrios is waiting. Because right. you're not going to go to Kikuchi. And I don't, like, you can't trust Mitch White yet. No. Like, you probably trust Barrios and definitely Stripling over either one of those two guys.
3: Right. But the interesting thing with that is that Stripling is the one that has the experience coming out of the pen in those situations. And Barrios has so does pitched in probably bigger games than Stripling has over the course of his career. So maybe that's a case to be made for starting Barrios. If you see he gets into some trouble, Go straight stripling, stripling yeah. out the pen. But yeah,
1: that, I, I, I would listen to that conversation. But I think you're losing the plot on the Manoa, right? Go for like, it, yeah, yeah. The Manoa, bring back on track. You, you're going to try and get him in whatever way you can because he's been your best yeah. pitcher. However, the, the point is that John Schneider's making here we really want, want home field, field advantage <laughs> now. Whether or not they work them into a like, let's get in first before we have all of these conversations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like, are we mushing it a little bit here, having this conversation? No, we can't mush. Yeah, we can't. Uh, I don't mush think anything. we have we the, have the have ability power. to mush. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had the power to mush, because then you and I would make a lot of money betting. Yes. But we don't have the ability to mush. I just think it's an interesting conversation. I'm with you on it all, and I think that what John Schneider said, I agree with. That's a they want to be at home. They yeah. don't care who they play. I mean, the Rays are a different team. Mm-hmm. They're below 500 on the road. Mm-hmm. Now they have experience. I think ideally the Jays get Seattle at home. Yeah, that I, I agree. The team doesn't have, I mean, listen, you're going to get Robbie Ray now because seems like we're going to be lifting the, uh, The I haven't paid attention to the regular news. Yeah. We are lifting that yes. vaccine. September 30th. the it's, it's not longer just yes. a report. It is yes. factual. Okay, so Robbie Ray comes. Even if it's Luis Castillo and Robbie Ray, I still think I want the Mariners
3: in Toronto as the ideal matchup if you're in the wildcard. Round. Yes, yes. Okay, uh, I think we got to look at tonight's lineup because there is uh, a little bit of a move here that I think is rather interesting. Uh, Bo Bichette and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. flip-flopped in the lineup. of Vladdy will now bat three. Bo Bichette has been moved to two. Hmm. Uh, see a smirk in a little bit there. you have any? Comments as to uh, I was smirking move? because Whit filled this study. Still in the
1: very good. Uh, the two and three <laughs> thing, like I don't think it's as important as many people make it out to be. But if Vladdy goes to John Schneider and says, I want to bat third, I'm okay with it. Uh, this is the Whit Merrifield stat that we brought up yesterday. And there were a few folks that tagged us on Twitter suggesting when he hit his first of two home runs yesterday mm-hmm. that we were idiots. And, and listen, I don't know that this stat means anything. That's why I said super stat or meaningless number. But it's crazy that the Jays are 5-18 and 18 with Merrifield in the starting mm-hmm. lineup and 21-2 and two when he's not in the starting. They've won 15 straight games when he's not in the starting lineup. Maybe it speaks to who's also out of the lineup more than it does that Merrifield is in the lineup. Yeah, But
3: it is a kind of shocking number, even if it doesn't mean anything. Still no Gurriel. I mean, don't you think it would still be better to have him going even though they're, they tend to lose games when he's in the story. Oh, because a, you still yeah, got to no. make a case to be See, included they, on the postseason roster, too.
1: Without a doubt, he's yeah. a good—the history would suggest that he's a good baseball player. I know he struggled he's last so year, and he struggled part of this year, but you hope that you find the good baseball player mm-hmm. somewhere in there so that you have another good baseball player on your lineup. Because, let's, let's be fair, Bradley Zimmer is just— a base runner Mm -hmm. and a defender at this point. Whit Merrifield can actually do something
3: with the bat. And they're going to need that when you get to the postseason. Absolutely. Shai Davidi coming up a little bit later in the show as we continue that baseball conversation. But for now, we go to basketball. After a day full of speculation, the Boston Celtics announced last night that head coach Ime Udoka would be suspended for the upcoming season for violations of team policies, which reportedly stem from an intimate relationship with a female employee of the franchise. Assistant coach Joe Mazzula will serve as interim coach in Udoka's absence. And the team says no decision has been made about Udoka's return after his punishment. Today, team owner Wick Grusbeck and President Brad Stevens met with the media but did not provide much clarity.
5: I personally feel that this is well warranted and appropriate. um, Backed by substantial research and evidence and facts. And uh, so I'm, I'm uh, standing by the decision. And e has accepted it. As soon as we learned there was a potential situation, we immediately brought in a respected law firm to conduct a thorough investigation, uh, and impartial investigation. And they took some time. And we actually concluded that investigation with a report uh, two days ago. So that's the reason for the timing here. There were leaks, by the way, um, around that time. Obviously, we would have nothing to do with that and nothing to gain from that In any uh, insinuation about the leaks. We don't know where they come from. They're, they're part of the NBA, as we all know, in this room. But uh, it's really unfortunate. And it's unfortunate also that female staff members of the Celtics have been dragged into the public eye um, unwillingly and inappropriately, and, and we take a strong stand against that and just regret it for
6: them. We have a lot of talented um, women in our organization and... <clears throat> I thought yesterday was really hard on them and I think that um, you know nobody can control Twitter speculation and rampant bullshit, but um, I do think that we as an organization um, have a responsibility to make sure we're there to support them now because um, a lot of people were dragged unfairly into that.
3: Well the Boston Celtics were uh, very critical of the media obviously but should they share the blame for how this was handled in your opinion?
1: I feel like this story has kind of been botched from the start and and let me explain myself. The, The head coach of the Eastern Conference winning team is out. We don't know why. We don't even know if he's going to come back after the one year suspension. I'm assuming that's because there are legal ramifications to all this from the Celtics point of view but that hasn't stopped anyone from speculating and even reporting on the story without what would seem to me to be pretty damn integral parts of the story. How and why this happened. Like, there is so much that we don't know. Can the franchise give us more? I don't know. What we do know is that the initial reports on this, by some of the best in the business, frankly, and remarkably, were took as gospel by many, and it was pretty damn near irresponsible in an attempt to be first on the scene and because of it women who just happened to work for an nba team were dragged by idiots across the internet i mean how many folks really thought for what seemed like a full twenty four hours that a rising star in the nba coaching ranks was going to be suspended for an entire year for cheating on his wife jesse am i wrong like i heard I think some heard the word consensual and just went off, Mm -hmm. but as we said yesterday, to me going off was also irresponsible and nearly moronic. Like to believe someone was suspended for a year for consensual sex, like there had to be more. There had to be unwanted advances. There had to be some sort of abuse of power and because we weren't getting any of that, any of those answers. We got some pretty moronic speculation for like a full 24 hours before and some pretty big names in the business too. Uh, My question is for all those participating at that level and for you at home because if you watch it enough you know I always offer information, I give an opinion but ultimately you decide for yourself. Is this just unfortunate collateral damage in a modern day news cycle or do we need to say? that we don't care who's first. We don't need the speculation, and we need to demand better. I mean, if you think the Celtics should have come out earlier, sure. If you think they should have said more, I'm not sure they can legally, but sure. I think it's everyone else, like feeling the need to get their clicks and likes on something that they thought was salacious and sexy and easy before they ever worried about getting the story right. And that's the most important thing is getting the story right. And mm-hmm. Instead we got 24 hours of irresponsible speculation,
3: innuendo, and hot takes. Yeah. yeah, it seems like a lot of people are apologizing for giving those hot takes today, members of the media. Uh, and it, I just, I don't know if we ever will actually get the details on this story. Like it is a bit surprising that he is suspended a year and hasn't you know, outright been fired because you are sort of inviting the conversation back next year when the Celtics have moved on for a year but its I'm not sure we'll ever do think, learn well, Do you think we'll
1: actually get there? Like I, I, I think,
3: think it's what's probably happened done. here
1: is all lawyers getting involved. Yeah. Like at first we heard that Udoka was going to resign then he apologized. Like when Udoka apologized did the hot takers not pause for one second and think Why would he apologize if it was just cheating? Just a consensual relationship. Yeah, if it was just a consensual relationship, why would he apologize the way he did? Yeah. I think just the lawyers got involved, and I think, listen, we're in that business too where sometimes we don't have all the information, and you ask me a question or someone on Twitter asks us a question that we have to answer. I just thought this whole story has been very irresponsible. Mm -hmm. And still, as we try and report on it right now, we don't even have any of the facts. Never mind all of the facts.
3: Yeah, you have to, sometimes you gotta tread carefully in this business and there's a very fine line between like you said, being first and being right. Sometimes right. it gets blurred. Yeah, without a doubt. And I think you and I agree
1: on that. Yeah. And hopefully, moving forward, others will tend to agree with us a little bit more. All right, listen, we're exactly two months away from Canada's first match at the World Cup. It is November 23rd against Belgium. Now, Canada back in action for the first time since June as they took on Qatar in a friendly in Austria, fielding a lineup that could be real similar to what we see in their World Cup opener, minus a couple of injured players. Here or there. How did it go for Canada and Qatar facing off for the first time ever? Well, in Canada early. How about the fourth minute? Sam out of picks out Kyle Laren on the cross and the big fella, Canada's all-time leading scorer, his 25th national team goal, one 0 Canada early, didn't stop, 13th minute. Canada cross, punched out, ball still loose. And Jonathan David gets it from Jonathan Davies. And look at this, during the celebration, he covers up the Nike logo on his jersey. Now, Canada, who don't have new kits for the upcoming World Cup, may be a tad bit mm-hmm. perturbed mm-hmm. by that. Uh, 58th minute Alfonso Davies taken down, 21-year-old in some pain. Training staff worked on his legs, he's subbed off. Canada wins 2-0. That was a worry for a lot of Canadian folks. But after the match, the one soccer crew got an update on Alfonso Davies from John Herdman. Here's how that sounded.
7: I think he's all right. He was sitting on the bench smiling. So, yeah, I think he's fine. We I mean, were trying to get him out at the 55th minute just before it happened. So, you know, this is what we've got to do. I think wrap those players up in cotton wool, but I think at the same time, you know, they're, they're pretty tough.
1: I need to apologize. I called Alfonso Davies Jonathan Davies because I grew up with a guy named (laughs) Jonathan Davies who still lives in the neighborhood. So shout out, Jonathan Davies. Jonathan
3: David, too. Yeah, Yeah. I I
1: mixed the two. And for me, honestly, grew up with Jonathan Davies. Yeah, there you go. Hi, Jonathan. Hi, family. Uh, I'm going to screw it up more than once. I'm surprised (laughs) that's the first time I screwed it up. Uh, So it looked like they were going to get Davies
3: out of there anyway. Mm -hmm. Notice I just left out his first name. Mm -hmm. Smart. I see the wheels turning. Are, you're not worried about Fonzie, are you? No. I think you still got some time. Obviously, you This want to... reaction, though, scared the bleep out of yeah, me. Yeah, I, I mean, it scared the bleep out of a lot of people. Yeah yeah you never want to see that no but he's got some time here and, and you want him to be playing in the upcoming matches that they're going to have against uruguay and and japan obviously but he it seems it's all smiles afterwards so it appears like everything is and the way okay the way
1: herdman explained it was they were going to get him out in the 55th minute he knew that yeah and maybe he was just doing a little act. get me out like right that. now i'll take <laughs> yeah. it now yeah. i have no idea what qatar is going to be they look good today but i don't know what that yeah. Actually, means better idea against Uruguay Tuesday. Although Uruguay lost to Iran today, one mm-hmm. nil the final. There uh, also, the United States lost to Japan. So some interesting scores from around the Nations League and these friendlies. Uh, it's good to see Canada get a win, get on the pitch, and do their thing.
3: Yeah, it's been a while since they last played, right? Against Honduras too. So do we have to have the conversation good. about the kits? If you want to.
1: It seems like there's, like, this strong debate about what's going on with the kits, but Nike released a statement on the kits saying that Canada soccer was on a different kit development cycle than other countries. I did go to Nike.ca, and I looked through. They have, like, a... I don't know if you know this, Jesse, but Mm -hmm. I I buy a few pairs of Nikes. Yeah. Uh, Oh, you do? Yeah. I don't know if you know that, but I, I, I tend to every once in a while. Um... If you go to their, and I'll just pull up, pull up the, if you go to their national team kits, on Nike.ca, there's no Canadian kit here. I can't find. Here's Netherlands home and away, Portugal home and away, uh, Brazil home and away, Croatia, Poland, FFF. That's France. <laughs> I don't know if you know that. Um, England, Netherlands, uh, Portugal. Uh, Brazil, there's no Canada. Polska, USA, well, it, Australia.
3: Do you not think, like... Nice kit. Irres- I like the Australian Irrespective kit. of you know, the reason for Saudi
1: why... Saudi Arabia sold out, for those
3: who didn't know. Turkey,
1: sold out too. <laughs> the Nigerian kit is so nice. New Zealand's coming
3: soon. England. Okay. Get the point? Yeah. yeah. I mean, my... What I would say is, irrespective of who's responsible for Canada not having kits, do you think soccer, Canadian soccer fans can be disappointed that there isn't one? Like, you were, like, who cares what the reason is? They wanted a new kit for the World Cup.
1: Yeah, I, I just I wonder if this is a CSA thing or a Nike
3: thing. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough.
1: Right? I think that it, both of them failed mm-hmm. in not getting a new kit, but I don't know where we rank on the scale of what Nike cares about.
3: Let's just design our own Tim and Friends kits. Send them over to the boys. People love doing that, eh? Doing what? Designing kits. Oh yeah, of course. <laughs> Do, doing what? <laughs> Designing kits. I mean, I yeah, of I have no idea. That's why I asked. <laughs>
1: right. Fable World uh, Women's. World Cup continuing in Australia after beating Serbia in their opener Canada took on France this morning live on Sportsnet 4 a.m. Eastern 1 a.m. Pacific in case you didn't get up or stay up we've got highlights for you Canada looking to go to 2-0 in the group stage we'll pick it up in the second quarter of play Kayla Alexander kind of setting the screen and handing it off to Bridget Carlton who can shoot Bridget Carlton can shoot. That and the foul, which was off the ball, so it gave Canada another possession. And Canada turned that other possession into Kia Nurse, driving and finding Natalie Achanwa, shot clock winding down, pushed the lead to 10. Still in the opening half, Naira Fields, been playing real well, splits the defense, lays it in off the glass. Canada by 12 at the half, third quarter, and France, one of the best teams in the world, ranked sixth. They turn it over, Fields takes it the other way, she can move on mm. the break. Two more of her game-high 17 points in the win. Canada, only undefeated team in Group B.
3: 59-45, your final in that one. All in on these. on Canada right now, sporting-wise. I'm all in. Nice. Uh, all <laughs> nice. right. <laughs>
1: nice. Well, i think we are three minutes and 15 seconds over, oh we are okay, so. i don't yeah, mean to so, be rude no, i'm it's okay. sorry if no, that's fine that no. way. but no, i think okay. we got to go to break we do yeah we do yeah uh, shy davidi's waiting break would be nice justin dunn's waiting and nate Carlson's waiting so we gotta go <laughs> tim and <laughs> friends friday let's go kids
2: sorry.
4: The Rays all over the blue jays you know what you have to have a short short memory forget about this one because the next three are very important
5: the big story of the night, Aaron Judge's pursuit of the home run record.
0: Aaron Judge, center field, way back. What a catch with the right hand
6: by George Pickett. And he says, shh, quiet.
8: 1-1 one, one pitch, Perez launches this one out to left center. And the wind, oh
0: my goodness, going to knock it down. He Caught. thought that was going. Oh, no. <laughs>
1: number three in the National Football League, underway with the Steelers and Browns. One of the the rare NFL games start this year that kind of sort of went according to plan. Unless, of course, you bet on the final score of the game. Well, then we can talk later. I always got a plan for our chats with Nate Burleson, but they rarely go according to plan because we like to freestyle. And I love it, and I hope you do too, Nate.
0: Yep, just like a battle on 106 and Park, we freestyle with the best of them, baby.
1: I love that reference. A little Freestyle Friday here on Tim and Friends. 106 and Park at our old stomping grounds used to be appointment viewing for the entire crew. Uh, Love the reference, and so do a bunch of people around here. All right, so big week. We jump right into it, and I don't know how the Browns would react after last week. And what turned out to be a finish almost as terrible as the Brett Favre story. Almost as terrible as the Brett Favre story. But, Nate, do we give Cleveland credit for the bounce back?
0: Yeah, before I get into that, I have to touch on it because you brought it up. If all of these allegations are indeed true, absolutely despicable from what is going on with one of football's legends in Brett Favre. But we'll talk about that another time when we get more details on the situation. But the Browns, listen, you know, there's been a lot going on this offseason. Um, of course, the Deshaun Watson news trying to figure yeah. out who the backup quarterback is. Nib joining the, the the ranks of being a starting quarterback in this league to start the season. But what they anchored themselves on is just hardcore football. You know, these guys have old school running backs. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about throwback running backs. One thing I love about Nick Chubb, who we're watching right here. He doesn't have the drip and the swag that you see on a lot of these NFL players. he had a the clips and the glamour. I don't think he has a chain around his neck. He doesn't have tape around his ankles. He has exactly what the equipment manager put in his locker and he's like, this is what I'm wearing. Okay. I'm about to go out there and run some people over. He's he's the blend between the new age running back that can run around you and the old school throwback running back that can run through you. So that's what they have. And if and if you have that a good running game along with the great offensive line and there's some pass catches on the outside, you're going to be just fine. And and, and Tim, I know you've been high on Nick Chubb.
1: Oh, I, I said I, – listen, yesterday I said I thought he could lead the league in, in rushing and we're well on our way, provided he stays healthy. But I love that point that he's got a little like Barry Sanders, Walter Payton, right. like hand the ball to the referee, let's go back to work. And honestly, like I don't mind drip, I don't mind attitude, you don't mind toe drag swag. Like right. We, right. we all like it, but it's kind of sort of refreshing to have the it dude is. Yeah, who just walks through. And and I, I think like – the big guys like blocking for a dude like that too who's just like yeah. let's go to work
0: exactly just hardcore a guy that's willing to get dirty yeah. and, and listen if I asked you right now what does Nick Chubb's voice sound like I don't even think you could come up with true. The, the actual description true. because he doesn't like to talk he talks with his past. Yeah. Uh, but when you look at this list here this is tough because obviously I'm, I'm biased you know because I'm a Lions uh, fan and I'm a former Lions player right. so DeAndre Swift being in the top five is exciting But that top three right there, ooh-wee!
1: I I think DeAndre could make a run at this too, but we'll talk about that maybe a little bit later or in another show. Listen, you and I think have agreed that Mike Tomlin is the most underrated coach in the NFL. Yeah. Never a losing season. He says he's sticking with Mitch. Is that number, that record of never having a losing season in danger if he sticks with Mitch Trubisky much longer?
0: It is. It It is. Just be because you're seeing these moments in the game where there's frustration when you see a wide receiver who's open and the ball is misplaced. And he's saying, get the ball up, as we saw right there. A uh, wide receiver diving down for a ball, making it a spectacular catch. Um, or, or another time he overthrew uh, Deontay Johnson, I believe, mm-hmm. and he kind of put his hands up like, ah, like get it down to me. And, and when you start seeing that type of reaction from your playmakers, that's when you know that the tides will turn a little bit and just look at the numbers. I know that Mitch Trubisky hasn't been known to light up the skies in his career. But when you have Chase Claypool, Deontay Johnson, you got you got um, George Pickens, who's an absolute beast of a wide receiver already. You have to be able to hit these guys, especially when they're wide open. So, yeah, to answer your question, it is, it is in danger for him not to have a losing season as a coach and him being one of the more underrated coaches in the league. He's putting that all on the line if he's sticking with Mitch. But I'll tell you this: he might be saying that right now, and that might be more of him instilling confidence in Mitch. Yeah. But if he continues to play under expectations, yeah, we'll see the young fella for sure.
1: Hmm. All right, uh, let's move on to the rest of the week because we only have limited time with the great Nate Burleson. So Packers and Bucks, uh, Rodgers at Brady, obviously marquee matchup of the weekend. Is this yeah. the top of the yeah. NFC, or just real hyped-up teams with some flaws waiting to be exposed?
0: Not the type of the not the top of the NFC right now. They're not playing like the two top teams, um, but they will be at the end of the season. I have faith right. that they will correct any mistakes, any mishaps that they have in the early in the season. That's what Brady and Aaron Rodgers have done. But if I had to pick a quarterback in this, you know, no Mike Evans. And shout out to Mike Evans when he went up there and got into that scuffle. When he looked at the ref, he's like, "What am I supposed to do?
2: That's Tom Brady."
0: I respect that. I respect that. Um, but but no Mike Evans. Godwin is banged up. There it is right here. Yeah, like listen, I I I'm not for the the hustling, but I like it when a guy has another guy's back. I'm yeah. with all the smoke. Yeah. Um but 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 when it comes to Aaron Rodgers, I feel like he will have the advantage. He just he finds a way to get the ball to multiple wide receivers and he's been doing that all season long. Hmm. So Tom Brady not having his guys all at his disposal, he might be at a disadvantage.
1: Interesting. Uh, maybe something to mark down here, write it down. All right. <laughs> uh, overreaction in week one, still reverberating in Cincy as they had to face, uh, the Jets in New York. Now, since the start of the 2019 season, 27 teams have started the season. zero and two, none have reached the playoffs since the merger <clears throat> in 1970, only nine and a half percent of and two teams have made the playoffs. Are we worried about Joe Burrow and the Bengals?
0: That's such a disheartening nugget right there to hear that. I am worried about them. Now, I I do feel like they will figure it out. They're a young team. They're too hungry and way too talented to continue to play like they've been playing. Uh, Joe Burrow forcing some balls down the field. And keep in mind, like we've talked about already, he didn't play any preseason. So he's still knocking off the rust. And I know Cincinnati fans don't want to hear that, but it's real. Um, The offensive line, they can tighten up a little bit and make sure Joe um, can stay clean in that pocket. But he also needs to learn how to just... Take a sack, throw the ball away and get rid of it quickly. I get it. You got playmakers. You want to get it to them. You want to extend the play. Take a shot and hit the hit your receiver downfield. Nah, don't worry about that, man. So I, I would say they will figure it out, but to answer your question, yeah, I'm worried.
1: Uh, On pace to be sacked 111 times, I am (laughs) worried too, without a doubt. All right, listen, I I don't want this to be all negative. There are a lot of teams with some early unexpected hype. We've got the 2-0 football Giants, Jalen Hurts, and the Eagles have looked really good. The Dolphins got a love for their duel with the Ravens. You already mentioned the Lions offense. I, I think there could be a real jump there. Which one of these pleasant surprises are you most excited about, Nate Burleson?
0: I'll go with two teams and two quarterbacks that, that know each other very well, uh, Jalen Hurts and the Eagles, uh, because they have everything. And Miles Sanders hasn't even had that breakout game on the ground. I mean, they're dominant in the air because they have Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown. Um, and then defensively, shout out to Darius Slay, former Lion, who will yeah. be the best cornerback in the league this year. So the Eagles, surprisingly, I love it. But the Dolphins though, come on. That game was crazy. You had Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson going full video game mode, and then at the end, all he needed, all he needed was a field goal to tie it. And, and you know what Tua Tungabaloa Loa said? Tua Montana said, I want the world, Tico, and everything in it. And he went out there and threw that touchdown. Say hello to my little friends, my little receivers. Yeah, he got Tyreek Hill and, and Jalen Waddle. Two of the best, most talented and explosive wide receivers in the game. Yeah. Not to mention Mike McDaniel. He's funny. He's smart. He has this flow about it. and More importantly, he's loose. There's no, There should be no surprise that his team is playing just as loose because they have a head coach who's young and just gets it. He just wants these guys to have fun and kick butt.
1: Uh, I I love that you brought that up. One, because you were right about Lamar Jackson last week. You came on this show and said he would be slime, My guy, people were like, oh, Nate went out on a real limb there. You said 250 to 300 yards and 100 yards rushing. Do you know how many quarterbacks in NFL history have thrown for 300 yards and run for 100 in the same game? Three, Nate, dog. Three. Now four. Sorry, Lamar did it last
0: week. And they still lost and still lost Crazy. And, still, and, and, and I did see that tweet the, the guy was like oh he went out of real little. yeah I did bro that was full Neistradamus <laughs> mode give me my credit when yeah. I'm out here picking the right <laughs> picks uh, it
1: was Neistradamus and I will say that no matter what the haters <laughs> on Twitter say uh, so so let me follow up with that because it's the Bills now yeah. there are oh, some in hing- there are some injuries along that defensive line, but through two yeah. games, I don't know if there's been a better defense in the National Football League. Bills, Dolphins, does it worry you that all that momentum now faces a Bills defense, or may the injuries add a new wrinkle into this?
0: You know what worries me more than injuries or momentum? What worries me is that these teams that are getting us so excited may reach their peak before their Super Bowl run, or before they can see a Super Bowl run materialize. The Bills have done that. Uh, not just they've done that in the in the 90s. They, 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 they've done it recently. Yeah. I mean, they're good. Don't get me wrong. The Bills are dominant. And I don't want to bring up the the past, but let's just keep it real. It everybody's thinking it. But the Bills are great. The Bills should be in the Super Bowl. But then when we start talking about the Bills in the Super Bowl, we start talking about them four consecutive opportunities where they lost every time. So for me, I just i love that the bills are talented stefan Diggs is one of my favorite wide receivers josh allen is so phenomenal when he's in his bag but is it too soon for these guys to peak the miami dolphins i love it i love it but let's just let's just let's hope that they can maintain this i'm okay with hitting a dip somewhere in the season i'm okay with them figuring it out i'm okay with them not looking as good during the regular season because I want these teams to peak in the postseason. But if Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs continue to have this this type of connection and they have the complimentary players step up while that defense is showing up and showing out. Yeah. We will see the bills in the Super Bowl. The question is can they win it? Right.
1: Uh, the, the difference between good and great is consistency and we're going nice. to see with these teams whether or not they can continue. The consistency throughout and when it matters the most as you mentioned Um, Sean Payton was consistently a pretty damn good coach in the National Football League. We heard him say that the right situation could bring him back. Now obviously he was talking about next year but my brain Nate goes immediately and thinks do you think that Dallas or Denver could be the right situation. 100%
0: 100% One, listen if things don't go right in Dallas let's just let's just call it you and me come on you know what it is he's gonna be over there wearing that that white with the navy and the star on the helmet just him and Jerry they they, they already rock with each other they seem like they have symmetry and will be on the same page and Sean Payton got enough in him that he could tell Jerry like hey yo chill hey yo Jay hey yo Jay I got this Now us go Stay upstairs. I got this. Hold
1: on. Do you really think someone can do that to Jerry Jones?
0: (laughs) Listen, it's gonna be hard. But if anybody can do it, it might be Sean
1: Payton. Right, Sean Payton. It might. It might be Sean Payton and Vince Lombardi's ghost to keep Jerry Jones (laughs) off the sidelines and out of the business. Hey, listen. Always love catching up with you, Nate. I won't ask for Nate Stradamus this year or this week because someone will chirp anyway. I give you full credit on the Lamar. That was unbelievable. And we'll see if these Dolphins and Jaboy Tua are for real.
0: Sounds good, man. See you next week.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Nate Stradamus, otherwise known as Nate Burles. We'll see if we have our Nate Stradamus hats on yeah, let's because do it. it's time now for our picks against the spread and against the sn bets community we are currently one down jesse going into this week against the sn bets community and the sn bets community going snoop doggy dog Mm -hmm. here in week number three they are taking the lions plus six on the road in minnesota riding with my lions jesse that i said I thought Scrappy. were underrated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that one. And then the cards, plus three and a half at home to the Rams. So, two dogs for the SM bets community. Jesse, a winner last week. Let's keep it going.
3: Yeah, I'm going uh, with the San Francisco 49ers Sunday night football in Denver Jimmy against the G Broncos. Time. Jimmy G time. I know. I know a lot of people uh, were excited to see what happened with Trey Lance, but it's Jimmy G's team now, and he does happen to have success as the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. 13-3 are Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan against the spread when they're shorter than three-point favorites. So that's looking mm. good. And the Broncos have been just a complete that's mess. Like that's we, some we, research. You talked about it with every NFL guest that we've had uh, uh, Got talent, but has been a mess. They're a complete mess at the yep. moment, whether it's Russell Wilson or Nathan- Nathaniel Hackett. They just haven't been on the same page yet.
1: All right, so you saw my pick there, and here's my only stat that I need. Uh, The Commanders allow seven and a half yards per carry. That is dead last in the National Football League. I know giving six points on the road is probably not a good idea, but when you have a team that runs it as well as the Eagles facing a team that is as bad stopping the run as the Commanders, (laughs) to me that seems like a recipe for a win. And we'll hope to follow up our two and in0 week last week with another one right here. Content. By the way, at SM bets to have your say and maybe even get a shout-out on the show each and every Friday if you give your picks to the boys at SM Bets. Time for break. When we come back, Jesse will get us caught up to date on the president's cup. And maybe try and convince me why I should care. What of ED next. Uh-oh. Not quite Ruby Tuesday, more of
3: a Ruby Friday. So it's Jesse
1: Rubinoff, and thank golf, it's Friday.
3: I think it's time to cue the animation because we love it so much. It is relaxing. Very peaceful. It is still golf season. Um, Take a deep breath, settle in. Uh, Leading up to this year's edition of the President's Cup, the story has been as much about who isn't there as who is there. Live players can't play for the international team, so that means no Cam Smith, the third-ranked golfer in the world, no Louis Oosthuizen. Abraham Anser, Joaquin Neiman, all big names that can no longer compete. That left the international team with a bit of a talent drop-off, and combined that with their 1-11-1 record all-time at the President's Cup, this one could get out of hand quickly. We do have two Canadians playing in this tournament. Uh, the President's Cup, day two, USA with a 4-1 lead. Both teams are moving on to four ball for day two. Final match of the day, there they are. The all-Canadian duo of Listowel, Ontario's Corey Connors paying up Pairing up with Richmond Hill's Taylor Pendrith. They are the first ever, Timmy, all-Canadian duo. Par 4 eighth. I'm in for that. U.S. up one. Billy Horschel just off the green. That's pretty nice. Within a few feet, he birdied the whole Americans two up. Par 4 night. Pendrith's approach. Finds the center of the green, but catches the wrong end of the slope at Quail Hollow. Game of inches, Jesse. This is what they tend to do with these greens. Create those slopes. Make it difficult to attack. They would settle for par tying the hole. Par 4 4-11. Connors, short range, birdie putt to get back within one. Canada down one, part four, 13th. Connors, 32 feet to tie the match. Timmy, bottom. Nice. We are tied, and we are still tied, I believe, through 16, but. Uh, not, not exactly. Like <laughs> I said. Overall standings. Ouch. Like I said, I mean, it, it. they were behind the eight ball going in clearly because of the lack of talent. You would have hoped it to be a little bit closer than it is. But you right kind of sort of knew that it was oh, going sure. to be this. For and sure. For
1: that reason, like, I, I, I love golf. You love golf. Yep.
3: I, other than watching those Canadians play, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had no interest in this whatsoever. It's understandable. The, 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 the Americans did not have the same drop-off. There's no if, DJ. doesn't matter. They right. still have the cream of the crop on that side, right? So. If, if the international team... Had have made a run, I would have been in. Yeah. Right. Like, I, okay,
1: the underdogs might be able to pull this off, but going in, we know they had always struggled and were weaker because of the live. I just tough was, sell.
3: Oh, very tough sell, and to see the way it's going, like I don't know how much longer the Presidents Cup is going to last. Yeah. At least the Canadians are doing their fair share, so I far. I mean, there just the uh, <laughs> Oh, Canadian duo. Let's go.
1: Kill, kill my negativity with a yeah. little horns for the Canadian Love it. boys. Love uh, All right. We're going to take a break. Okay. When we come back, Jesse uh, got us caught up to date on the uh, on the President's Cup. We will get you caught up to date on the Toronto Blue Jays taking on the Rays at Tropicana Field. Mitch White will try and save the day as we go into game two of four. We'll tee it up with Shai Davidi next right here on Tim and Friends. Tim and
0: Friends. Now, time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very
1: much, Sheep Dogs. Back here, hour number two on Tim and Friends, full hour on Sportsnet 360, which includes Justin Dunk talking week 16 in the Canadian Football League. Just a half an hour to go on Sportsnet because Jays and Rays, that's right, Shida Daviti will join us from the Trop in minutes as the Jays and Rays play the second of their four-game series. But first, some highlights. Canada's men's soccer team faced Qatar in a World Cup tune-up earlier today with their World Cup opener exactly two months away. How did they look? Well, pretty damn good, especially early in this one. In fact, all it took was four minutes, Jesse. Mm-hmm. Sam Adekube stops, pops, and it's Kyle Laren who drops. His 25th goal all time with the national team. That is the most. And it's 1-0 Canada. 13th minute keeps coming. Jonathan David able to bury off of the Alfonso Davies fee. Then during the celebration, he covers up the Nike logo on his jersey. Is that because he gets paid by Adidas? Is that because he wanted a new kit? Is that because the CSA messed up?
3: Got my tinfoil hat on.
1: Allow yourself to debate and then figure out while we lament this. Davies goes down in the 58th minute. He is removed from the game. Training staff working on his leg. Canada 1-2-0 but that doesn't matter. What the hell happened with Alfonso Davies after the match of the One Soccer Crew. Andy Petrillo, Oliver Platt, they get an update on Alfonso from manager John Herdman.
7: I think he's right. He was sitting on the bench smiling so. Yeah, I think he's fine. I mean, we're trying to get him out at the 55th minute just before it happened. So, you know, this is what we've got to do. I think wrap those players up in cotton wool. But I think at the same time, you know, they're they're pretty tough.
6: John, you, you took charge of that one pretty quickly. Uh, what do you make of the performance overall?
7: Yeah, really happy. Um, we were concerned that first 20 minutes would be out of rhythm. As I said yesterday, they had a great match, they're one leading, the feel was good, tactically they were on point and I thought the first 20 was probably their best 20 minutes of the game. They really took hold of Qatar and uh, showed, you know, when we're fully focused and on point, that, that brotherhood, the connectivity and then the tactical excellence with individual quality. Yeah, it was all there to see for, for that first 25-30 minutes, I thought they were unplayable.
1: Uruguay Tuesday, next stop for Canada. Falls here, and so is the hockey season. Camps continuing across the league, and we have preseason action tomorrow on Sportsnet. That's right, too, Jesse. Leafs play the Sens, two games, split squad, Scotiabank Arena, first game, 1 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet, then the Nightcap, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific on Sportsnet 1. Haggy, and Haggy. It's back. It is back. Jays and Rays coming up on sports baseball, baseball, baseball. <laughs> Blue Jays Central on the way, 630 Eastern, 330 Pacific. The Jays enter the Knights to game up on the rays and would need to win the remaining three games this weekend to win the season series and earn the tiebreaker over the race. The Jays, after what turned out to be a bullpen game, turn to Mitch White. He has a 747 ERA in 31 innings as a Jay. I'm no I'm no rocket surgeon Jesse that does sound very good.
3: no less than ideal ideal. after last night especially a
1: little worse than uh, Jeffrey Springs he's got a 245 ERA he's been excellent 30 appearances 22 of them starts so here's the lineup to face Springs George Springer at the top swap though Vladdy and Bo two and three As Vladí moves down to the three spot, Alejandro Kirk will DH and clean up to Oscar Hernandez in right, Ramel Tapia in left, with Merrifield starting at second base, still no Lourdes Gurriel Jr. who remains on the IL. Here's John Schneider on the challenges of
6: facing springs in this one. I think the more you see a pitcher, the more comfortable you get with what he's trying to do in in terms of attacking you. And um, it's up to the hitters, you know, To make adjustments, and, you know, I think if we're convicted with with an approach one through nine, um, good things usually happen, doesn't matter who's on the mound, but he's had success against us, he's had success against, you know, right-handed hitters this year, Um, you know, so it's up to us to kind of eliminate a pitch or two that he is, you know, going to be featuring, and, you know, hopefully keep pressure on him.
1: All right, there is uh, John Schneider from what we call the Little Trop of Horrors, but I have to ask our next guest, Shai Davidi, who joins us from mm. Tampa. Although the stadium isn't the greatest on planet Earth, Shai, the road trip to Tampa St. Pete couldn't be all that bad, could it?
2: No, it's uh, quite pleasant. I gather it's <laughs> a little bit cold today in Toronto. It's nice and warm here, although there was a, a, a really intense thunderstorm just as we got into the building. It was pounding on the on the roof, and Thankfully, it didn't collapse, which, you know, you don't take for granted here, uh, given the nature of the stadium. But, uh, you know, this, uh, it's actually, I have a a different view. I know a lot of people really dislike this place, understandably so. It feels like you're playing baseball in a shopping mall. But... (laughs) It's actually a great place to work. It's a good press box, the facilities are good, Uh, staff is great. So from a work perspective, selfishly, it's not a terrible place to work. It's just not a place you really want to watch a baseball game.
1: You know, it's funny though. I I did take my dad and my son to a road trip in Tampa. We went to the Trop and watched the Jays play. And I found they worked really hard for your money. Like, they don't have, they have 10,000 people in there. And ushers were great. They had a lot of things that the kids could do. Like we wandered around, and it wasn't all that bad.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And look, it's a real shame there was like 8,800 here last night for a series with playoff implications. Port, yeah, port it's, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty disappointing. And you know, say what you will about the the Rays organization. I mean, they put out a good product every year, year in year out. It's a competitive team. We've got lots of interesting players. They play fun baseball it's it's really sad and it's obviously been an ongoing problem this isn't new by any stretch of the imagination but that it continues to yeah yeah that uh (laughs) that that definitely isn't happening (laughs) after what happened last winter but it's just it's really sad for a franchise that you know deserves better and would probably and would surely get better in a different market
1: without a doubt all right so uh race take game one toughest part of the loss jose barrios
2: yeah i would say i mean I guess if you're thinking about it from the 10,000-foot you know, view, you're probably like, yeah, it's not ideal they had to use four relievers to get through that game. And, uh, but you're also, the Jays come into town, uh, get here at like 4 in the morning after two four-hour games in Philly, and they, they weren't in you know, an ideal circumstance. And certainly, you're like, looking at Jose Barrios, that's not what you want a couple weeks away from what you expect to be the opening of a playoff series. But at the same time, he's been on a pretty good run. You look at the circumstances, maybe this is just a one-off. I don't think you're running to the panic button by any stretch. But, yeah, you don't want to see that from a guy who's had moments this year where, you know, that has been an issue for him, that he hasn't been able to finish hitters and surrender pretty hard contact.
1: Can I trust him? Like, we've had this conversation about the third starter, if they get there. And I know that it's, like, we're projecting a little bit down the road here. But it feels like a point where... Um, they paid a lot, of, a lot of money to a guy that I'm not sure that they can trust right now in big
2: spots. Well, you know, it's interesting. I think you can trust him to put in the work, to do everything humanly possible, to right. compete about as hard as anybody's going to compete, uh, to really care and be invested in his teammates and himself and in the result. But you can't guarantee the outcome. And I think that you know, that the the, the things that you can trust haven't, necessarily produced the results that you would expect all year and it's been a weird season for him because he's been very good for the majority of it but when he's off it goes it goes really badly right. and it, it there's really been a lot of extremes with him so he's either going to be pretty good and you're going to get a chance to get him get six innings going to be three runs or less you're going to be in good control of the game on the flip side it's going to blow up fast, you're going to be running to your bullpen, and it's got the potential to be a long night. So can you trust him? I think that you're going to look at, by by the time you get to the playoffs, you're going to look at matchups, you're going to look at how, who's been throwing the ball better over an extended period, over a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, you know, if the Jays do advance, they're not going to have much of a choice but to trust them. And then once you get to the postseason the trend that we've seen in recent years is that the leash is really short on starting pitchers right. You go to your bullpen you bullpen your way through a game that's just the way postseason baseball is being played right now and i don't think that would be any different for the jays once once they get there kind
1: of sounds like game two of Four with mitch white on the hill what can we expect and what have they been working on with mitch white
2: well in an ideal world, the Blue Jays would like to take what he gave them last Tuesday in the in the doubleheader game and just replicate that six innings, three runs. I think they'd be doing cartwheels out of the stadium here if they got that out of him once again. And you know, it's interesting that they felt the last couple times that they needed to get him in front of an opener, partly because of bullpen usage, not just yesterday but over the last stretch. The Blue Jays want to avoid that and just are going to give him the, the straight start this time, but. There are those who really just want to give him the ball, treat him like a starter, and let him just get used to that. And, you know, from uh, what are they working on with him? They've worked on slight mechanical things with him. They're also looking at different pitch usages. They want to get him a bit more effective and commanding of his fastball. And if they do that, that'll lead to better results with the slider, the changeup. And,. The Blue Jays really believe that mix is there and if you look at the velocity, the movements and things of that nature, all the ingredients are there. They just haven't come together just right yet. And this would certainly be a great night for him to, to put it all together in a, a game that's pretty important right now. After all the consternation when uh,
1: Vladimir Guerrero Jr. went to the two spot in the lineup, any explanation on
2: Bo going back to two and Vladdy sliding down to three? You know what? I hadn't had a chance to dig into that. The lineup hadn't come out yet when we spoke to John Schneider earlier. So, uh, you know, I don't have the direct line of thinking there. Uh, I wonder if part of it is just maybe a little bit matchup based. I'm not uh, just maybe they they want Bo to get on there and attack a little bit and then give Vlad some more opportunities with some guys in base in front of him. Uh, and, And Bo's been... Like, we know, but he continues to be just remarkably hot and mm-hmm. a, tremendous, a tremendously difficult out of the plate. So, you know, maybe you pair the aggressiveness of him and Springer right there, and then you've got the patience of Vladdy behind that. Maybe that gets him going a little bit. You know, one thing that Guerrero has said in the past is that he liked the three spot because he liked to see a, how a pitcher's working on a given night for a couple batters before yeah. he steps in there. So maybe this gives Vlad a little bit more information to take into his bat, into his at-bats and maybe it leads to, to a bit of a different result. Uh, as we were
1: projecting down the road, I couldn't help but think what John Schneider uh, was talking about yesterday when uh, I guess it was brought up that Alec Manoa could be a starter in game 162 if home field was on the line. Were you, were you
2: as shocked as I was when you heard that? Yes and no, because okay. I can really see both sides of it. And, okay. you know, I was having a, a, a conversation with a baseball person from another team earlier this morning, and he was yelling at me for not hating it immediately, uh, as many, many people have been yelling about uh, since since the word came out. But I, I just think right now, the way that this playoff, uh, the wildcard round is set up with the the home team getting all three home games, the amount of travel that's potentially involved, and the bit of a difference that that can make—it's—it's it's a factor in some of the calculations. Now, look, I do think that when push comes to shove, if it—you it, know—if it's a scenario where you know a win on the last day doesn't guarantee it, I think you're 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 saving Alec Manoa. But it's if it's a you win, you get home field advantage. I can at least see. The reason to do that because Alec Manoa you know as much as you want him in a playoff series you also want to optimize yourself for a playoff series and if you feel that you're going to be better at home with your other three starters than on the road with Manoa and two others you know that that's a that's certainly a consideration and then you also have to think about the impact of the travel you know you'd be going the Jays would be going from Baltimore to potentially Seattle or Tampa maybe Cleveland depending how things play out and then, should they advance from there? Then you're going to Houston. I mean, that's a lot of ass to haul in a pretty short period of time under pressure-packed circumstances. So, you know, if you can get a bit of time at home in there, where you've got last at bat, you've got a bit of an edge. Uh, you know, people who remember 15 and 16 remember that the impact and the the noise that Blue Jay fans produced at Rogers Center certainly yeah. want that on your side if you can have it. So, I I can see both sides of this argument and. You know, I think to a degree, it's academic right now. I mean, we may not, we may be debating this, this thing that's for never no going to come up anyways. Yeah, yeah,
1: for absolutely no reason. Uh, I, I can give you another reason why uh, they might want to be at home, and that is gates uh they've lost a few gates over the last little while and three at home might help although i will throw this the rays are 50 and 28 at home and just 33 and 39 on the road this year so if it's the rays they face i think i know where you want them hey before i let you go any update on uh, lourdes guriel jr at all
2: yeah so he ran today it's the first time he started doing running so that's a bit of a point of progression he's gonna gonna see how he recovers tomorrow and then whether he, he they ramp up the running a little bit, so at this point there's maybe a bit of a pathway to him returning at some point next week. It's not uh, a locked in by any stretch of the mm-hmm. imagination, but you know one thing that both with Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and with Santiago Espinal, whose oblique isn't as bad as initially feared, and you know the Blue Jays were thinking that he's maybe avoided a, a long, longer-term injury. Is that they have the depth right now to let those guys recover? They don't have to necessarily rush them back uh, the way they would have if you know they didn't have Tapia hitting in the outfield, didn't have Biggio and Merrifield uh, to help cover at second base and in the outfield as well.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. All right, Shy, uh, enjoy Tampa, and we'll talk again soon.
2: No problem, guys. Have a great weekend.
1: There is uh, Shy Devidi on hand to cover the Jays and the Rays. You can see it on Sportsnet Blue Jays Central getting underway in about 14 minutes time so hang around we're going to get some of your feedback and Jesse I know we've already started to get some of
3: that yeah well uh, Wally is watching the show and watched your interview with Shy and said I agree with Tim about Tropicana Field every spring I bought a a 10 pack of games while vacationing the absence of fans is a little unsettling considering Rogers Center and most other MLB parks however staff is great and knowledgeable about the teams on the field food is great you agree with food being great
1: yeah food was good too yeah I would agree with all that Yeah. yeah yeah Wally Wally, shut out Wally.
3: Thanks for chiming in. Right. Yeah. More feedback
1: after the break. we got a lot here. Uh, also, immediate delivery writes in and says, I'm not sure how to say this, but I find you're rude on your show. Oh, goodness. You cut Buddy off all the time. Kind of talk down to him like he's a stiff, then why have him on? Just do the show with the rest of your friends. P.S. You're not even funny. That was Sid Sixero. Hashtag,
3: yes. no friends. I am a stiff. Can't move. Back hurts, hip hurts, so it's not wrong. I hope I'm not rude to you, though. No, you're you know, not. I was you're... the other part of it that you left out. No, I, I ignore that, because I know that you're not rude to me. Okay. It's all good. It's all good. Can I? Like, you're going to walk over here? OK, that's fine. Yes, i No, no, I know, I know. OK, OK, it's all good. It's all good. You're the man. I'm sorry. No, don't worry about it.
7: So, I don't think you're the music. Really.
3: No, that's, yeah, I'm not controlling that. I just want to throw that out there. I'm not, I'm not in control. More Jays talk that on the me. way. That wasn't me, I didn't touch uh... anything.
1: Who would you want the Jays <laughs> to play in the wild card round? We'll get to a poll that we sent out earlier today and your feedback on that before sending it to Blue Jays Central next on Sportsnet.
3: Thanks for not letting me get up or making me get up. Like, you should see what's going on. <laughs> okay, yeah, okay.
1: Welcome back, friends. Counting down to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet, followed by Jays-Rays Game 2 of their four-game series. Ross Stripling expected to pitch Sunday. Here's John Schneider on Stripling's value this season.
6: I mean, I think just, one, embracing the role that he was in initially and um, and kind of excelling in that, and then, two, embracing being a starter and really excelling in that. Um, I think if you look at kind of how the four and five spots have unfolded for us this year um, a little bit inconsistent and I think if you take him out of the equation uh, we probably wouldn't be sitting here in the situation we are so it's um it's a you know tribute to him and it's credit to him for how he prepares and how he works and um really just took on you know advantage of the opportunity that was presented so um he's been probably the most unsung part of our of our team this year. And with Rasmussen and
1: McClanahan on deck for Tampa, it feels like this game is going to be big, especially if you want the tiebreaker. Here's a breaks down right now. The Jays are one game up on the Rays for the first wild card. They're one and a half up on the Mariners. And for those still looking at the Baltimore Orioles, they are five and a half back of the Toronto Blue mm-hmm. Jays, as the magic
3: number remains at eight. Don't you find it interesting how when, for the, the, when the games get to this Point of the year like one game feels like it's like an eight game losing streak yeah
1: that's why september baseball is so great yeah and it's meaningful september baseball because immediately after the winner loss you go to whatever other game is going on to see if it was a two-game night yeah because every game can be or every night can be a two-game night and that's the beauty of meaningful September baseball. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but I know a lot of people are projecting down the road here.
3: Yeah, so we had the question that we talked about earlier in the show. If the Blue Jays end up in the wild card round, who do you prefer they play? Drop your vote and comment. And we have had uh, over 2,500 votes at this current point in time. 38.1% saying the Guardians, even though the Guardians would mean that the Blue Jays are on the road, but let's get Mm. to some feedback and some specific answers as to why people chose what they did. Finn says, I voted for doesn't matter because all three would be tough to play. However, it would be best to play the wild card at home. It would be nice to have the division, but it seems too good to be true. Joe writes in, yeah, says, why do so many people want to play the Guardians? That means the Jays wouldn't have home field. Winning two out of three in any opposing park is going to be difficult. And that was more or less your point earlier in the show. Yeah, right off the
1: top of the show, I I brought that up. You were saying anyone but the Rays yesterday. Mm -hmm. I understand because the Jays Mm -hmm. seem to really struggle with the Rays, but given some of the numbers, I mean, even look at Barrios' home and road splits. Like, there are a bunch of home road splits that would suggest to you that the Jays really want to be at home, including John Schneider, who said, if Alec Manoa is the difference on game 162 between home and road, we are taking Alec Manoa and trying to get that home I think advantage.
3: that is a wonderful point that you just brought up about Barrios and the difference between him being on the road and right. him being at home. Because you could ultimately then trust him potentially in a game three at home. At least you feel better about it than you would if they're in Cleveland. You know what's funny is like I say that, but I, I don't know how much I trust home and road
1: like if I if I trust that implicitly, home yeah. and road splits, right? Like you're good. You're, you're feeling it, I feel like that would kind of weigh itself out mm-hmm. over the year and it would kind of even itself out. Just if you're pitching well at the time, you're pitching well at the time. But with Barrios, they're so
3: stark. <laughs> yeah, and it's a weird thing with Barrios too because he's got a lot of times he's wearing the red jerseys now and it's the starting pitcher who could choose and, yeah. and they've been wearing the red. It's like, what's going on? Like What is the mojo that's working for you at home <laughs> oh, yeah, and not working on the road? Uh, Jason writes it. It says Seattle Mariners because it's like another home game. When we play them, a lot of people are chiming in and saying that, and I do wonder if that would in fact be the case, if it's a playoff game. Do we have to show Jason the Jays'
1: all-time yeah, statistics in maybe, T-Mobile Park?
3: Maybe, maybe not. I'm gonna flash that board up. The uh, yeah, there you go.
1: 31-49. I know it's a whole – It a lot would atmosphere, be atmosphere, but Americans would be absolutely in. They would be. Jaw-dropped at what they saw in the postseason with how many Jays fans would be there. And just for that, I would love to see it happen. But 31 and 49? Not
3: ideal. Not ideal. Nick says, doesn't matter as long as Manoa is pitching game one. I should point out the Jays are 0-4 in Seattle this year. Uh, as long as Manoa is pitching game one. It would be a huge mistake to start in the last game for home field advantage. It's a best of three. Having our ace for game one on the road is better than not having him at home. Absolutely ridiculous it would Ooh, even be considered. Nick? Disagreeing with the skip, John, I'll I'll tell you one thing.
1: It may not come to it. We may not even ever get to see it, but that will be highly scrutinized. (laughs) Yeah. Highly scrutinized if it ends up going
3: down. Yeah, that's going to be like a Buck Showalter, Zach Britton type of decision that's going to be looked at.
1: There will be a lot more folks than just... Our boy, I believe the handle was Maple yeah. Bacon, but
3: whatever. Just two more. It was uh, just two more for you. Matt <laughs> says, "Is there a, a none of the above option? They stink against all those teams." Nope, and, there is no none of the above yeah. option. Sadly, I apologize, there is Matt. not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Vicky writes in and says, "I'm a believer in be careful what you wish for." So my vote is for doesn't matter. Whoever like their that. opponent will be, very good pitching and defense, along with timely hitting, will be needed for the Jays to move on. If they don't do that, they will be toast. And that's important to point out a lot. I think teams would prefer to just be peaking at the right time instead of choosing their matches. Yeah, I think we could all agree on that. Yeah. I honestly think we could all agree yeah. on that. Uh, Red Sox and Yankees also
1: going tonight. Aaron Judge was, I guess, if he was in a bunch of different parks, that was a yeah. home run last night. Hit one to the warning track last night. Does it matter that this Red Sox Yankees game tonight is on Apple TV and Michael Kay will not be calling it? Because. That is the case, and there
3: are more than a few New Yorkers who are upset. More than a few. Uh, The attorney general, Latita James, uh, wrote in or had a statement and said, basically, I'll I'll paraphrase and read the last part, Uh, she's calling on Apple and the MLB to reach a fair accommodation with the Yes Network so that fans can watch what we all hope will be history made this evening. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. running out of time here. No, it doesn't look like that. Right. And I think she might like the publicity a
1: little bit. Probably. I don't know, but I, I, I think that's a the On the side of the like viewers the there on that one. <laughs> All right. Time now to send it to Blue Jays Central on Sportsnet. Hazel May and Joe Siddle standing by ahead of the Jays and the Rays. As for us, we will continue on Sportsnet 360. Justin Dunk joins me in the studio to give you a wrap-up of the entire weekend in football. That's right. Justin Dunk next on a crazy postgame incident in Calgary as for the rest of you enjoy Blue Jay Central and the Jays and Rays. Another big weekend of football is on the horizon. we already hit week three in the NFL with our friend Nate Burleson. NCAA schedule is led by Maryland Michigan Clemson and Wake Florida Tennessee and Peterborough's Jarrett Wayne hit. Our near must watch for our Kanuka along with Chase Brown, by the way, but he has the week off. North of the border Saskatchewan and Alberta is a top 10 matchup in Edmonton. Number one Western gets Waterloo in week 16 of the Canadian Football League offers some intrigue as well. Our week 16 d by to you by Betrivers.ca, the Ticats, fresh off of an upset of the bombers, have a big game in Montreal tonight. The East-leading Argos could bury the Red Blacks, and the Lions are looking to sweep the season series against the Stamps and lock their first playoff appearance since 2018 with Vernon Adams at the helm. But some bad blood to sort out in that one for sure. And only good vibes when Justin Junk joins us. Well, except for the name of the segment. So we welcome back Justin <laughs> of Three Down Nation for Yeah,
0: Dink. let's do it, baby!
1: For Dink and Dunk. <clears throat> Uh, let's start with the bad blood. Not you and I. No. I'm okay with dink and dunk. We yeah. are at the point where I am okay with dink and yeah, dunk. We settled into it. I don't think that the stamps and the Lions are okay with each other. Cameron Judge uh, cold cocked Lucky Whitehead after Calgary's loss at McMahon. It was crazy. And that was just the start. Judge only suspended, only guy suspended, only
8: one game. What in the good name of Dave Sapungis is going on here? (laughs) Dave Sapungis. Man, Judge was hot and bothered because Lucky Whitehead was saying some things that Judge felt were derogatory towards his family, but that doesn't condone the punch. But to me, Timmy, to me, this, what you're seeing right here, the parking lot incident, is almost worse. I get that if you're in the heat of the game and somebody says something about your family and you want to take a shot at a guy. Now, it should be noted, Judge had his helmet on, Lucky Whitehead did not, and it was actually after the game was over on the field. But the fact that the Lions tried to get to the Stampeders' locker room through the parking lot looks total bush bushly. Yeah.
1: It, 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 this is what you can't have, but... I mean, after the game, Lucky Whitehead saying what he said, like there are a lot of guys that are upset and I don't know if the CFL did enough to calm this down with a one game suspension. I know they're like, OK, we took Cameron Judge out of this game, but they're like,
8: if you're trying to get into a locker room, that's some bad blood. It really is, man. I feel like the CFL could have come down harder on Judge two or three games. The players should know now if you're going to get a suspension, you're going to miss a paycheck. Mm. So you don't want to do anything stupid. But you're right. I thought there could have been some other suspensions or at least some fines levied against the players that tried to go from the Lions locker room to the Stampeders locker room and CFL needs to make sure there's increased security at BC Place because players on both sides are feeling some type of way. I've heard from both of them. Yeah. And let's just well, say Lucky whitehead would be was a little out- worried.
1: Yeah, Lucky Whitehead was out on his feet. Like, he was knocked out. Like, he got up, walked around. You saw the video, and it was hard to get. But it, he, was, he was out on his feet. Definitely was. And that's why the Lions are so bothered about it. Uh, all right, let's focus on football a little here. Lions sweep. That, that would be big
8: for BC if they were able to get it done this weekend, besides the bad blood. That could help out and potentially lock up second place in a home playoff game, likely against Calgary in the tough West Division.
1: Yeah, without a doubt. All right, so uh, where are the riders in all this? Is
8: it just me or does it feel like they're coming apart at the seams in Regina? It feels like there's some tiny fractures there, and that's a scary word. Cody Fajardo admitted it after their loss to the Elks, sacked eight times yeah. against a three-man pass rush. They need to be better with adjustments, especially going into second half. They were out to a 10 nothing lead in that game and, of course, doesn't help when your quarterback turns the ball over either. But... Fajardo got bothered by the booze there. I feel like he is not focused on what he needs to be focused on, and that's playing football and now being a dad with little baby Luca coming last week before that game. There's too much going on in his head he needs to have a focus this
1: has been for most of the year like at first it was the injuries at first it was like it feels like there's it's never been even with a good start it's never been settled in Saskatchewan this year
8: no it hasn't been and then you have Craig Dickinson admitting that we're not very good some players didn't like that we posted the quote on the three down nation instagram and Nick Marshall replied to it and took exception to it so you can see where there's little divisions and the team isn't together in Saskatchewan. They better figure it out quickly after the bye week or they're gonna have no chance at competing for the Grey Cup in Regina. In your very humble opinion, what's the biggest problem there? It just does not seem like they're on the same page. That's very cliche, but you have the coach calling out the quarterback. Yeah, and you have the quarterback calling out receivers. Like you can't, you can't, you either
1: rejig the team a lot or you gotta look at the coach because you can't have him saying we're not
8: very good and have all of this in the media. I totally agree, and that rubs the players the wrong way. I think the mistake the Riders made was actually in the offseason not upgrading the offensive line. Right. By and large part, they left it the same, and that has been a major issue for them.
1: Alright, I was taking shots at the Ticats and Dane Evans heading into that Hall of Fame <laughs> game <laughs> with the ball. I thought it was love, peace, and hair grease to their chances this year <laughs> going into that game. What in the good name of Marcus Brady
8: happened there? Dude, I think Dane Evans heard us banging on him to start the entire season (laughs) and then he came and diced up the Blue Bombers. Now the key I think here is actually something that Evans did himself off the field. Went and saw a sports psychiatrist and Mm. got his mindset right. I think there's a lot to be said. I would like to see more of this in the CFL. I think Cody Fajardo could use it too. He had the best game arguably of his career. Against Winnipeg, who the Ticats have not been able to beat in the last two Great Cups' career. Single game high, five touchdowns, over 300 yards. Just look like a totally different Dane Evans. And if he's that dude, the Ticats could get hot at the right time. Orlando Steinhauer knows how to do that.
1: And, and lo and behold, they got the Alouettes this week. They win
8: this game, and all of a sudden, you could be talking about a game in Hamilton in the playoffs? Yeah. Hosting a game and one game away from going to the East Final, where you won last year in Toronto, man. It's, East it, Division just yuck it's crazy um so what's going on with edmonton and taylor cornelius so the elk signed him to a two-year contract extension and he got a hundred thousand dollars to sign on the dotted line essentially a little bit over but in reality if you look at the 2023 compensation overall it's going to be over four hundred thousand dollars if he hits some playtime incentives so to me that takes the elks out of the equation to get bo levi mitchell and you talk to people around the league and mitchell was never really super keen on playing for chris jones Anyways, Mm -hmm. So I think that that shows that the Elks have some faith in Cornelius. They're going to go out and still try to upgrade the quarterback position by scouting and bringing in other guys. But what it really does is bring it down, in my mind, to three teams where Mitchell could go. But that's $400,000. That's starting money in the CFL. Like it is, did, yeah. It might seem like peanuts to some people out there when you compare it to the NFL. I mean, right, right. NHL but what stuff, I'm saying is, can you bring in another player in Edmonton, or is just Chris Jones saying, that's my starter for next year? I think he's saying, this could be my starter. Okay. He likes to keep the competition right. up. They still have Trey Ford there on a rookie contract, so right. he's making next to nothing. So there's a the possibility of it, and that contract is you know, somewhat friendly in terms of potentially trading it.
1: Okay, so you said there are three land. I was listening. You said there are potentially (laughs) three landing spots left for Bo Levi Mitchell because you're basically writing the exit in Calgary and he's a starter in this league. He thinks he's a starter in this
8: league Mm -hmm. and he'll probably want to be a starter in this league. So what are those three landing spots? He's made it clear he still wants to play and the leading contender right now, even though they're never going to say anything and it would be a massive heel turn, I hope this happens, <laughs> is the Saskatchewan Rough right. <laughs> Unless Cody Fajardo plays markedly better to end the year, then the Toronto Argonauts would be in the mix. He was along with Ryan Dinwiddie in Calgary for a number of years. And then Hamilton could be a possibility, but if Evans keeps playing the way he did against Winnipeg, that won't likely happen. The one key connection with Bo Levi Mitchell to Saskatchewan, mm-hmm. their assistant general manager, Kyle Carson, was with the Stampeders for years. So those guys know each other very well. You stick around? Hey, always we got a, three, we
1: got a last call coming up with Jesse Rubinoff. He's Woo! got a bunch of questions yeah. on a bunch of we're different things, around. and we're getting set for a, a Jays and Rays series. Will you stick around for last call? I'll do it just for you to. All right, Justin, dunk, three Learn Learn days What so Just for up. him. A little bit for Rubinoff. What about me? <laughs> We've known each other for a while. Yeah,
3: I make it makes sense. Last TVW yes
1: As we told you yesterday, we are giving away tickets to the 32 Thoughts podcast live tour. Jeff Merrick, Elliot Freeman doing their thing in person. Tonight, they're in Markham, Ontario, and congrats to trivia winner Sergio Rodriguez, who correctly answered yesterday's question and will be at the event tonight. Next stop is Monday
4: in Kitchener, and here's Frege with our trivia question of the day. Tonight is night two of the seven-stop 32 Thoughts podcast tour with our great partners at Boston Pizza. And the third stop is on Monday night in the great city of Kitchener. Now, I am old enough to remember when the Rangers won their first Memorial Cup in 1982. And with that comes a trivia question to win two tickets to Monday night stop. In their Memorial Cup clinching victory over Sherbrooke, four future NHLers scored for the Rangers, but one of them had a hat trick. Was it A, Al McGinnis, B, Mike Eagles, C, Brian Bellows, or D, Grant Martin? Al McGinnis, Mike Eagles, Brian Bellows, or Grant Martin? Answer correctly, and you could win a pair of tickets to Monday night's extravaganza. Uh, extravaganza! I
1: love it. Thank you, for each Remember to tweet us at Tim and Friends with your answer that's for a, a chance to win. Uh, made it tough on himself by going with the four multiple choice. You could see him combing yeah. for that last option in his brain before he gave it up.
3: I think I'm going with bellows because it was the third option. Always go, you <laughs> yeah, always go with C. Yeah, you gotta go with adding C. The,
1: adding the fourth one yeah. in there for the sake of always go with C, Jesse yes, Rubinoff. All right, right. Uh, last call. Justin Duncan, and I will remember that.
3: For yeah. uh, <laughs> Sergio, who who won the, the trivia contest, is actually there and he just tweeted a picture oh, of Friege nice. and Jeff Merrick, Glenn Healy, uh, Ron McClain. They're all there. The thirty 30- Two thoughts, 33 thoughts on tour podcast. 32 thoughts, there you go. Not 33, little typo, That's okay. We make those all the time. I got fat fingers, I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. oh yeah. I, I do that all the time when texting. Okay, um, Roger Federer is playing the final match of his professional career today. At the Labor Cup in London, Federer teaming up with his old rival, Rafael Nadal in doubles for Team Europe against Americans Jack Sock and Francis Tiafoe. Uh, let's take a look at the highlights. Final match of his career in doubles with who else but Rafael yeah, Nadal? Like, you have to, right? Uh, 42 major titles between the two all-time greats. Taking on the two Americans. First set tied at one. Federer hits the forehand. Ball ends up going through the net. What? Oh. <laughs> the still with greatness in his final match. Team World end up winning the point later in the set. Federer and Nadal up 5-4. Talking strategy with Novak Djokovic during the changeover. Ensuing game, the peck talk seems to work as They're Federer puts away the volley to the delight of Team Europe and Djokovic. Europe takes the first set 6-4. Opening game in the second set. Tiafoe rips the forehand straight at Nadal. <laughs> Manages to duck out of the way. I thought this was like kind of an exhibition. Yeah. I thought- <laughs> Federer has a lap. As they take the one lovely 6-4, they won the first set and it is tied at five in the second set. So I guess I'll start last call with a question for Mr. Dunk, is the Laver Cup
8: fixed? (laughs) Because Federer might actually win this thing. He's moving decently well, but... It seems like it's fixed. Those <laughs> two other guys are younger, like, they want him to win his last match, come on. I, mean, I think everyone wants him to win his last
1: match, but I think Rafael Nadal, after seeing a fastball driven at his head, <laughs> yeah, is saying, like, what the hell are you, you talking about, yeah. Figgs? I almost took a tennis ball to the forehead. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, let that's, me tell you, yeah. Nadal's forehead is getting to around the size <laughs> of mine. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so <laughs> there's, there's some uh, empty space there that could have taken a, a little Wilson across the
3: top. Yeah, maybe that was part of the whole script, is like, okay, we're going to let you guys win, but just to throw off the viewers and throw <laughs> off Tim and, <laughs> yeah. Tim and Mr. Donk and Jesse. We're going to try and hit Nadal in the head. Uh, okay, you mentioned the big matchups this weekend in NCAA football in yeah. the last block, Timmy. Last night, our friend Kevin Barker's alma mater, Virginia Tech, played host to West Virginia. And as usual, the game started with the Hokies taking the field to one of the best entrance songs in college football. So good.
0: Like
1: not i know homecoming weekend is good it's hype homecoming this weekend yeah is it homecoming at yeah. this weekend unbelievable we're gonna start doing this when we walk into the studio yeah like, like, why not like I what think, are you doing well i think <laughs> we're missing the 80,000 i mean i <laughs> listen I, i'm maybe
3: i'm no rocket surfing yeah but you always say you prepare, prepare like an athlete so these guys are athletes so let's enter like, like athletes noise, get
1: the tunes going all, all right, right so
3: this could be
1: the best in all of college sports however there are two other traditions that i'm going to bring forward and ask you fine gentlemen if it beats enter sandman virginia tech i Mm -hmm. present nominee number one wisconsin jump around now this isn't start of the game this is middle of the game Mm -hmm. house of pain blares out and you get this You can't even tell from the close-up shots. you got to get the wide shot you yeah. see yeah, the insanity of this. The difference I, is people are a little bit more lathered up with. Right, that is an excellent point. It's not the start. But a lot, I mean, I don't know about Wisconsin because I've never been there, but a lot of those games you can't get lathered up unless you've brought in your own lathering that's easy to do
3: i can't yeah. jump for that long either like I'm, i'd be exhausted like, like the, the 10 second mark and they're still going like, it seems a bit excessive all right so, so that's the jump that's around one. at
1: wisconsin yeah. that's nominee number one to upset sandman for one of the best traditions mm-hmm. in all of college mm-hmm. sports uh how about oregon they've added shout i mean i know a lot of buffalo bills fans claim this but oregon's taking it to a new level let's have a look at the Ducks of Oregon and the Shout.
3: Maybe you didn't match up to
8: the other two. I apologize. Now, the, thing, thing, the thing, thing is, you think about.
3: Yeah. Let's they go stole it. That's yeah. stolen. That's
1: yeah. stolen. Stolen? Okay, eliminate it. Stolen. So Sandman stole the best then. I
3: yeah. think it I think it because of the time of the game too is important to me. That's right. Like I understand that the mid game everyone's a little lathered up as JD said. That's fun. Mm-hmm. But enter Sandman. Like, that gets you going. You yeah. are ready to play football when you hear that. So does Dabo Sweeney running out and getting exactly. his wedge in the previous hole. Exactly. <laughs> <Good. laughs> Very good. All right. A funny moment in a minor league baseball game last night between the Gwinnett Stripers and Memphis Redbirds. Memphis and base- third baseman Delvin Perez hit a ball deep to left field, but it got knocked down by the wind and was caught for an out. But Perez, yep. Thought he hit a home run and celebrated as such. (laughs) Rounded the bases, still going, pointing. This is unbelievable. Almost got all the way home before realizing, oh no. (laughs) It was an out. Uh, Justin, have you ever been guilty of a premature celebration? No, that's
8: that flip gone wrong, man. That's awful. I
3: oh, think you yeah. got that to yeah. go before touch home plate.
1: When when keeping it real goes wrong? No, yeah. that's even worse. <laughs> like, I don't know if I've ever seen that late recognition. And and to be mm. fair, like the white backdrop is gotta board, be right? the worst yeah. video board that you could possibly have. Because yeah. I lost it for a second too, but then you just look at the left fielder, do yeah. you not? Yeah, yeah.
8: When I mean, you're rounding second, how do you not <laughs> yeah. see that dude catch oh the
3: ball? Good. Credit to him. He had a good reaction when he finally realized. It was like, it was like funny. Was, that that's enjoyable. top ten material. For yeah. ha- like ha-
1: just lives forever. Forever.
3: Yeah. Uh, training camps across the NHL continuing in Calgary. Jonathan Huberdeau and Tyler Toffoli skated with Elias Lindholm on the Flames top line for the second straight day this offseason the Flames lost two-thirds of the top scoring line in the NHL in Johnny Goudreau and Matthew Chuck. and yesterday head coach Daryl Sutter was asked to compare Chuck and Foley.
5: Uh, one guy's won Stanley Cups, been a big part of long playoff runs. <laughs>
3: First of all, hockey's back when Daryl's talking like that, but has Daryl Sutter become the best quote in the NHL, Tim?
1: Do you think, like, people are taking that as like a stone face, absolute rip, but isn't that just Daryl Sutter saying he wants to win hockey
8: games? That's what Sutter does. I thought yeah, straight like, to the heart, man. He doesn't mess around.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he messes around, but I also think it speaks to him and what his priorities are, and that's winning playoff games. Yeah, I, I just, I love every single thing that he ever has to say. <laughs> oh, like You
3: could just listen to him all day long.
1: Uh, I can't wait. Circle it, though. Yeah. Florida, Calgary. Thanks for sticking around. Yeah, Circle Thanks for, Just it. dunk. Jesse Rubinoff, before mm-hmm. we go, we want to send our best to our friends on the East Coast who are bracing for Hurricane Fiona. Please stay safe, everybody, and look out after one another as you do so well out on the East Coast. Uh, that does it for another week here on Tim and Friends. Blue Jays and Rays about to get going over on Sportsnet, an important three-game weekend for both. Tampa and Toronto. But before you go flipping, let me remind all the non baseball fans that Friday Night SmackDown comes your way in about an hour on Sportsnet 360. And uh, just like every Friday, Jesse and I, along with Justin Dunn, say goodbye with a little fun as we take a look back at the week that was here on Tim and Friends. Because it's Friday, then it's Saturday, Sunday. It's Friday, done. it's Saturday, Sunday.
2: It's
1: Saturday, Sunday.
3: It's Saturday, Sunday, what? It's
1: Friday, then! It's
0: Saturday, Sunday, It's Friday, let's get It's Friday, let Friday,
2: Welcome back.
1: Welcome back, friends. Be careful with that, McAuliffe. Welcome back, friends. <laughs> <laughs> What are you laughing at? <laughs> I didn't actually swear, did I? I think I said, welcome <laughs>
7: my, I mean, you might.
1: <laughs> welcome <laughs> back, my You know I didn't mean to scare you. Uh, I saw you Get on the
7: camera. out of me, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: I mean, almost a year ago, she
3: went down with the torn ACL in the double. believe it was a semi.
1: Looks like we have frozen here on the Mime Network. By yeah. the way, am I as greasy as you are? Oh my goodness, it's hot in this
3: studio right am now. Am I glowing? Oh, you, are, you look you're glistening. Why didn't you tell me? Isn't that your oh. responsibility?
0: Oh my goodness. What do you goodness. mean,
3: no, Greg? Oh, am I? Yeah, I'm sweating. No, it's sweat. Oh no. <laughs> me too. This is going straight into the best of the week. <laughs> no. A girl at camp once told me that uh, you could fry an egg on my face. <laughs> what? Because I'm so greasy. <laughs>
1: We could just talk to the two luscious cupcakes
2: hosting the entire thing. Have you ever been referred to as a cupcake before? Tim just called us a couple of luscious cupcakes.
1: And by the end of the game, it wasn't really close. People were standing on the edge of the stadium and urinating on people leaving the stadium. As we were leaving, one of the ushers said, careful. And I, we were like, what? And he goes, look up. But don't look up too long. <laughs> and we're like, what are you talking about? And he goes, people are pissing off the top of the stadium.
3: Of course I peed my pants. Everybody my age pees their pants. It's the coolest.
1: Two claps and Rick Flair.
0: Woo! Woo!
2: Woo! Woo!
0: Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. <laughs>